0: How much time's left on the finger back on clock thing
1: one and a half hours oh fuck that's not a lot
0: what that's not a lot of time in terms of getting my fingers back on fuck come on don't yell at me man i didn't tell
1: you to grab a gun with your
0: hand i saved the day now it's a new day and i want to spend it getting my fucking fingers put back on Come on! Where's John? He said he was coming right back! I... I need guidance! I don't know if I'm allowed to go to the hospital, if
1: these fingers are mine or
0: his, or what the fuck! Come on! Guidance, guidance! God damn it! God damn it, guidance! I
1: didn't ask uh, guidance on just calling this Audible right at the top of this episode. We don't usually do this. By the way, welcome to Macmillan Men. I'm Luke Burbank. Right over there is Andrew Walsh. Hello. This is the show dedicated to the Amazon Prime Show Patriot. We got this email from uh, Greg. He said, thank you so much for the Macmillan Men podcast. I'm enormously grateful that someone has decided to do this and that the quality of the program is so great. I have a comment, though. It's going to sound like a correction. At its heart, it's just a comment. When you guys mention Barney Miller in episode 12, you go on to sing and celebrate the theme song, but you're actually singing the theme song from Night Court. (laughs) That sounds about right. This is no big deal. The big deal is that the themes from Barney Miller and Night Court were written by the same guy, Jack Elliott. (laughs) Coincidence? Season two level plot advancing coincidence? Whatever. Great show. Great work. A thousand thank yous. Listener Greg.
0: Greg, don't you dare correct us we, ever again.
1: We do have a troubled history of, of playing the wrong music on this show, which is like episode one of Macmillan Men. I believe we played a different Vashti Bunyan song
0: episode one episode
1: one off to a hot start where it's like we're talking this song you're now hearing of course is a season one theme song which is just such a great genius decision and then of course we were talking about it and I was going on and on about the song and we were playing it I had recommended to you Andrew a different Vashti because I got so into her that I got into this whole album and so I, I said, oh, can you play this song? And I had you playing the wrong song, and I'm talking over it as if it's the theme. The fact that we have any listeners, including Greg, including even some of the people on <laughs> Patriot, still with us after that gaffe in episode one.
0: It couldn't have been earlier in the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of I, thought of, I have a couple of things that I have been thinking about this week since our last show, and one is related to this theme song. So I'm glad that you and Greg led me directly here. I realized what might be a subtle joke in the last episode we didn't discuss, which is um, after the kind of epic scene where John is singing the narrative folk song while he's also trying to steal the gun and then, of course, tries to escape, uh, missing some fingers into the, um, into the subway. He sings, I don't like songs about trains. And what is this song called by Vashti Bunyan? Train song. And yes. I almost wondered if wow. that was on purpose.
1: Um, Here we are at episode four of season two, the sword in the hands. Um, We start off with uh, young John and Edward and Alice. Interestingly enough, this was news to me that John and Alice go back that far.
0: I know, me too, I loved
1: it, I found it very charming Yeah, and in classic Patriot form She's just sort of an idea Mm -hmm. More than even a character She's sort of hiding in the back of the mini-mart As they're trying to buy tall boys
0: And I think that's more than just a cute little thing to know I think that it really advances your knowledge of their relationship And how Uh long it's been going on If they were a couple who'd been together Not that I'm trying to (laughs) judge people's uh, relationships But you you know that if... If the events that are going on right now do lead to their breakup or something major in their relationship... You now know that this is a relationship that has withstood a lot of things because they they were at least friends back in high school
1: and a lot of extra legal things. Yeah, like, right. you know what I mean. It's yeah, just sort of like yeah. once again, Alice is in the sort of background as John and Edward are doing some sort of mission that's going off the rails. Now, my question: I don't. This is not where we want to get waylaid, but <laughs> like, were those cops coming into the mini mart by coincidence? Had the Because I honestly thought, of course, if I would have been thinking more clearly at the beginning of this episode, I would have realized, of course, this is the fingerprint scene. Mm -hmm. This is where John gets fingerprinted as a kid. But in my mind, the the mini Mart, the the guy at the counter seemed – I think his name was Chris. He seemed so charmed by the utter bullshit (laughs) of Edward's story about what his job is. Uh And it's Texas, right? I almost expected him to be like – go ahead and take the beer right but they go running and then there's just like a whole division of like cops are coming in did the minimark guy activate a silent alarm or was that just cool i think that's co- bad luck right i
0: think we're seeing a lot more coincidence in this show a lot of deus mm. ex machina more
1: on that coming up yeah. oh, by the way i've got big notes on that now again pretty quick sort of um pretty quickly to the opening credits there's another one where there's just like that one scene, mm-hmm. the beer, and then being fingerprinted, and we're right into the credits.
0: Oh, Edward already using the, the nickname Rick or the
1: nom de plume <laughs> yes. Rick, cool Rick. Yeah, also makes his first appearance. So as we get into the the the, the sort of real show, uh, John is back at the grocery store. His dad has collapsed in front of him. Nan sees him, as does the grocer, and now we're in a whole situation again. They sort of go around and around in the store, and. Uh, you know, Nan says that was kind of a funny scene too, where she's speaking to him in French. She's only kind of partially mm-hmm. grasping it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she shoots him in the foot. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what, John is just going to be a piece of Swiss cheese by the I end of this know. show. He's just I losing know. body parts and having various parts of his body penetrated by firearms, like on a, on a hourly basis at this point. Yeah. He's like that money Python knight. Yes. He keeps saying I'm yeah. not dead yet. Exactly. It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) That's why
0: we get through that without the invitation.
1: Well, (laughs) Greg likes it. So that's why I'm doing it, to make up for singing the wrong Barney Miller song. Um, Like, now, I don't know what the point of this sort of observation for me is. But I kind of thought, shouldn't you push this rack over on her? I saw that as the only way out. I don't know why he waits for her to shoot him before he does that. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. a language barrier. Mm. But he, of course, pushes the rack over on her. And then we're sort of intercutting this event with Tom Tavner at that debrief, or Mm -hmm. now I'm starting to think interrogation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, my sense of what that video of Tom Tavner is is changing based on this episode as the, you know, the plot to basically put put Tom's ass in a jackpot. Mm As they might say in MLB baseball mm-hmm. As that sort of unfolds A Getz plot We'll talk more about that coming up Now I'm wondering But anyway the point is Tom is in that debrief or interrogation Or whatever it is I always he, call it a deposition
0: It seems very deposition to me Like yeah. he may be He probably is in trouble But yeah. is he still seems to be In some pretty comfortable surroundings It looks like he's in the plush leather it's somewhat chair somewhat voluntary a, Yeah As yeah. opposed
1: to He's not in prison Yeah Blues or whatever Well um, So this is where And this is you know this is dark. We're seeing I mean, we've seen John do a lot of dark things, but, you know, we know that that grocer is an innocent in the in the world of this show. And it they couldn't make it more clear with his just generally pleasant demeanor and how he just keeps having we talked about it last episode, he just keeps getting the fuzzy end of the lollipop to quote sugar Kovalchek from uh, some like it hot and yet he just sort of has this pleasant nature about him. He's the last person you want to see punched on the show, mm-hmm. maybe with the exception of Mina, a gets kid. Right. <laughs> like if we're ranking right. characters who should not be punched in the face, it's yeah. like Mina number 1 and Grocer a close second. Yes. And meanwhile, John to to, to finish the task of retrieving His finger has to punch this guy 17 times to unconsciousness And we know that this is troubling to Tom Because he says so in that deposition
0: Yeah can I play the tape of this sure. now this is I mentioned this in a previous episode That the first time I watched this series I, In this again it seems like A deposition tape to me because it's got the date Stamped on it and a counting clock And I was really ready for something big To happen when this clock hit What I assume is noon or possibly midnight Um and this is actually the moment. This scene starts with ele- uh, the clock's at 11.5940, and I'm still – I still haven't totally given up on my theory. I'm trying so hard to jam in this idea that the time of twelve zero 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 is significant, and I don't truly believe it is anymore, but I want it to be I, really bad. I'm
1: going to stumble upon some WordPress blog <laughs> that you have written about this that's just – like you know you get it Sometimes you start looking at a blog And then you start scrolling And it just uh-huh. keeps going and You're like Oh this is mental illness <laughs> I'm going to find you with that With the clock With the deposition Time code theory
0: Who's Andrew Alsh And why is he so obsessed <laughs> yes. with this But uh, If I was good To give any credence to that I was watching this last night Thinking maybe it's at Exactly 12 o'clock When Tom admits that something Fundamentally changed mm. In him Yeah uh, during this scene in the grocery store. Could you specifically say what you learned during this first period? During these first moments you cross this line you continue to mention. Uh,
1: that, uh, I guess that a man may need to strike another man 17 times in the face to render him unconscious. Which is contrary to the way I formerly imagined it. I cartoonishly imagined that a man would accomplish that. Incorrectly imagined, as being brief, if not instant. And I learned that, for better or worse, in those moments, in that place, it turns out that I am the sort of person who Counts those blows. And whose stomach is turned by
0: them. I'd like to point out now that the camera stays close up on him for a good five, ten seconds, and um, he does a really good job. The actor. Um, Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn does an amazing job of like showing his emotion just on his face as he processes this. And it looks like he's
1: his lips start shaking near the end and almost like he's about to burst into tears. Definitely. That was what I took away from it. I mean, it's clear that he is realizing. I mean, I guess he sort of realized it in, in Paris. He's realizing how gruesome what he's deployed his son to mm-hmm. do But he's realized It too late mm-hmm. You know I mean He's never been Holding a guy down While John Punches them 17 times In the face And I think That that realization Is 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 an intense One for him And also He realizes Like I figured this out Too late That would mm-hmm. be My read On mm-hmm. on where he's at Emotionally
0: I don't think There's a need To do this Necessarily Chronologically So let me Follow up With that Very related How How do you Take John's Behavior later um, so he's already collapsed in the grocery store, which has really put his son in a pinch, including getting his foot shot. We can back up and talk about the details of that later. But throughout, as we're flashing back to this, Tom is still bossing John around and putting John, like making John chase down
1: Panther well, Wally. And well, like, he
0: still doesn't, even though he should have had this revelation, he's still yeah. treating John very similarly.
1: Well because his overriding thing is still self-preservation mm-hmm. in my opinion. So like he has more awareness of how awful he's being as a father, but even that awareness doesn't stop him from He does these little things like let's let John take the train mm-hmm. first. Yeah. yeah. You are injured, you should go. Yeah. Stumble onto this train half dead. Like, wow, what a yeah. guy. Yeah. Where's that father of the year mug? Yeah. Is it too right. late to get it yeah. to Tom Tavner? Um So yes, I think he realizes it and I also think that he still – even when they have that moment which happens there shortly after they get out of the grocery store where – and this is in that – I'm going to say in that magical realism, that high coincidence sort of world where of all of the the narrow streets in Paris for Cantor Wally's motorcade to come down, it's that one, right? Or did I Mm -hmm. miss a part where they like left the grocery store and went to a particular point? As far as I know, that's
0: a complete coincidence, and then the fact that a get ends up being out there right. seems like a triple coincidence to me. And I
1: will mention that the a get thing, true. I, I guess I knew somewhere in my mind John doesn't shoot Cantor Wally here because if he does, I guess the show's kind of over. So I was like, I know something interrupts this, but I mean, I have to just be honest with you. Just as a viewer, I was like, shoot that motherfucker. Like you, fight, like you you don't have to go in and fight the Dutch boys. Like right. you this is the perfect I mean, and of course that's the setup. This is the perfect moment. You're standing there, there's a glass between you and the guy that you're trying to eliminate. And then of course, he looks up and sees a get. He's also trying to shoot left-handed, but then he mm-hmm. I assume Does he miss her on purpose? I assume so. I can't tell. I, I'm very confused
0: as to what our takeaway is supposed to be there. Um, because first of all, as the viewer, this is going to sound a little bit like Haterade, and I don't mean it that way, but um, there's no way that the Cantor Wally is riding around in the streets of Paris in that limousine without bulletproof glass. So that's At first, I actually even thought John must know that, because when he's aiming it through the window, I'm like, uh, look out, that bullet's coming back at you, buddy. Interesting. <laughs> Watch out. Now, that's not necessarily in the show, I don't think, but I assumed... In the moment, I'm like, oh, you know what? He realizes that shooting through this glass is pointless, but then why would he be chasing it down if the whole thing is pointless? And then
1: he raises his gun and fires it at a get, and I'm trying to remember. Is it's it, like is a it? warning shot to me. Yeah. Even he, left-handed, I think he could hit a get if he wanted to from that distance. I think he doesn't know what a get's game is, and he doesn't... I don't think he wants to kill a get. No, so why doesn't he kill Cantor Wally? That part I don't know. I don't understand why he does what he does. I Some part of it is... Maybe he realized about the glass, maybe he rethought it, maybe he just was sort of confused by the presence of a get. I do think that he fired that shot to try to create a plausible cover story for why he was out in that alley with a gun. Because that's he keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. This question yeah. of how on edge are Cantor Wally's sort of his, his security detail. And John even specifically mentions that he's like I I shot like I was shooting at someone else, so maybe they'll just think that's why I was out there with a gun. Like, he is really hoping, and then, of course, that whole other thing unfolds where he's running around trying to find someone to shoot. Yeah. It's all this attempt to, like, kind of lower the defenses of the Cantor mm-hmm. security detail, right? Mm-hmm. Because this gun's gone missing, the silencer is missing, you know, there's a the whole thing which we can get into. But I, I don't have any great insight into why exactly he 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 doesn't try to shoot Wally there yeah. um in this moment. Uh so yeah, a get is just there. And and this is something that we'll talk about more as we get to these other points. But in season two, and you'd have kind of mentioned this to me, these kinds of just coincidences, like the train is just magic. Mm-hmm. The train is a magical portal mm-hmm. where John's mom and Ichabod are. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, if you want to, like, if somebody said on Reddit that maybe the whole second season is a dream, I don't know if the whole second season is a dream. Maybe the train is a dream, mm-hmm. though. I feel like the train is where he goes when he needs someone to show up to ma- when manifest someone to give him a hug. And, like, it's his mom one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a very... It's now become a magical place where he's mm-hmm. just always meeting
0: people right and I'm watching uh, so much more closely now I remember the when I watched most of the second season I believe I was on a long flight and I was watching it on my iPad and I remember being very very confused and feeling like a lot of stuff just does not add up like why would Ichabod be with his mom is that his, well no it is explained it was explained two episodes ago right. when when John or I'm sorry when Tom said that he sent Ichabod to go to the airport to pick up John's mom. So um I did forget that it was Deborah Winger though. That's not Deborah Winger. That's not who's Deborah Winger then? Is
1: that Deborah Winger?
0: I paused it and Amazon's x ray told me it was Deborah Winger. That's Deborah Debra Winger. Winger? Well, I'm at the bench scene
1: right no, now. No, no, I believe you. I B- believe you. Bernice Tavner, Deborah Winger.
0: Holy shit.
1: Okay, I didn't recognize Deborah Winger. Uh, now I feel later. less
0: bad. <laughs> sorry. I was watching I was like, that's Deborah Winger.
1: Wow. Sorry, um, sorry that I just um, totally assumed you were wrong. I just. No, no, no. I'm, you know. I'm trying to think the last time I saw Deborah Winger in something.
0: Yeah, me neither. Like, so I don't, there you I don't go. But anyway. uh, by the
1: way, she's great. She's great. And she's the secretary of what? Education? She's the Elaine Chao, no, of transportation. Tra- transportation, like, right, right, Which right. is also kind of, again, we're, we're jumping ahead a bit, but it's like, that's its own sort of bombshell. It's like, even Ichabod's like, you should not be yes, at this shooting. Right. But it's like, she's kind of down. Like, there's, you know what I mean? She's like DTF. She's like, John's like, uh, I forget what the exact line is. I wrote it down here. And is like uh, – he basically says, can I go shoot the um, accordion The accordion uh, pimp? Yeah. She's like, yes. Yeah. Just, then she wants to watch it. Like, I love – like, that's the secretary. So, in other words, Tom is married to the secretary, a cabinet – Was, yeah. Oh, was, because they're divorced? Oh, I assumed. I just assumed that they were divorced or
0: separated this whole time. We never see them together when we're at – when we're at Tom's house and they're playing guitar and everything, she's nowhere to be seen.
1: Hmm. I guess I didn't assume that, but I'm, I I was wrong about Deborah Winger. I could be wrong again.
0: Her character's name still has the last name Tavener. So I could be wrong. By the way, of course she's the secretary of transportation. And of course this is all about trains and getting from A to B. A to B. But I mean, I just, but
1: that's like, I mean, that means that John and Edward's mom is like in the top, 20 most powerful people yeah. in the American. I mean, if you're a right, cabinet yeah. member, that's like, yeah. that's huge. And there's like, this is how we're finding out about it. It's it just, it adds to the weirdness of this because it's like, John, how, look what, like your mom is super powerful. Go get a job pushing papers around in DC. Yeah. Tap into that nepotism, bruh. Yeah. Like what are like you do you do? Like your brother
0: apparently. Did. I know. Seriously. <laughs> like
1: cool Rick. Congressman like, cool Rick. Exactly. Like, like, that's just that. That really stopped me in my tracks to find out that you yeah, know, the, their mother is somebody of huge importance.
0: It, it's embarrassing how much I had forgotten about what happens <laughs> in the second season because I was shocked when she said it again, and this time I'm like,
1: "Oh, that's right!
0: You're a cabinet member." As also, and we'll maybe we'll get to it later. But I was so embarrassed because how many times over the course of uh, what thirteen, fourteen episodes now have I said? But why did it get Take the Money? And I had totally forgotten that this this episode completely straight up explains what her reasoning for taking the money was. I had totally
1: blacked that out. Right. Uh, by the way, Deborah Winger, born in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. No kidding. Look East side. side. Local I'm more of a west sider. Local whatever. gal makes good. Okay, so um, as we heard the tape at the top of the show, there's also this thing going on, which I honestly love. Which is the ti- the countdown clock on when Dennis's fingers are no longer going to be reattachable?
0: <laughs> yes, and it's just it's the finger replantation yeah. timer, and it's so uh, I hate it. People, I think you even said before people make this comparison way too much. Right. But there's something very Wes Anderson sure. about that because it's like an object right. that we don't see anywhere. Right. It's just a close up, and it's literally the yeah. finger
1: replantation counter. But it has this like beautifully antiquated kind of uh you know element like it's it's not a digital clock it's no. it's, it's very analog and it's you're right it's a, it's a completely like it's viability. an viability in- that was finger replantation viability it's bug. an invented machine that yes. exists purely for reminding us how much time he has left on his fingers he's freaking out uh i think rightfully so i mean one of the things though that i'm trying to figure out is why is edward laughing the whole time do you notice that edward I didn't notice that if you were to rewatch the scene uh, and it wouldn't even show up if we played it edward There's like two different moments Like, There's first the point where um, Edward's baby mama is trying to Reattach the fingers Mm -hmm. and Edward is just Smirking and laughing Mm. in the shot And then we come back to it later And it's like now Dennis is I think Just freaking out And again, Edward is finding it all very funny. And I could not figure out what that was. Did he eat something? Is he on like an edible? Like, what is going on? (laughs) I'm not sure. You know, I I didn't notice that. I
0: remember this shot is kind of a faraway shot, it includes the entire room. You've got a bird bath
1: there. Oh, by the way, that's a great shot. The initial one where he's on the couch and everyone's there. You know what that reminds me of? I don't even know. Renaissance painting? Yeah, what's that fresco where it's like God is reaching out to touch Adam and Eve? Yeah, sure. It's like almost like that. Which is hilarious because that that particular fresco, you know, it, it has to do with like the finger, God's finger is reaching out to touch uh-huh. Adam's finger, uh-huh. and almost like the people in that scene are almost kind of representing that. Yes, you've got, you're right. You've
0: just got. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the way they're all the the blocking on this, the way they're all set up, it's almost like a play, sort of. That's great.
1: Um, so um, so let's see. So so Dennis is is freaking out about his fingers again. I would say rightfully so. Um, If anybody has theories on why Edward is laughing, please send them in. Uh, Tom gets a call from the general accounting office. And this is this is like one of these. I love how this show does this, which is just like he knew that call was at some point going to happen is what he's been afraid of. And so did we. Right. We've already seen the scene where you see somebody in a pile,
0: like in some bureaucratic office somewhere. And they're um, looking at a bunch of numbers on a ledger. Okay, we saw that. Yeah, that happened.
1: But it's like this is such a great. I don't know. It's just like an indication of how, like, the world works in these weird ways, which is, I mean, people are dying left and right. There is a nuclear war that could break out, and this guy is like—and there was a chair. Mm -hmm. It's like this sort of intersection of the extremely banal Mm -hmm. and the extremely Mm important—
0: And of course, the chair that John never even gets—like, literally, the only thing John ever wants is the chair. But it's literally—it's not the millions of dollars, right? It's the chair that well the ch- creates the red flag in the system, right? Which
1: I would imagine is, yeah, is 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 is, is, is an intentional comment about how these very mundane things yeah. can end up being very, very big. Yep. Um, here is where you might be able to help me. We've probably g- we, not we get a song from John mm-hmm. after the GAO call. And by the way, Tom, I mean, is that Tom just like, is that Tom um, retiring when he's like, fuck you to the GAO guy? Like, he's not even trying to play nice at that point. I guess maybe because he feels like, like, he's just at that – like, it's is that him sort of – is that does that signify anything other than he's just frustrated? I think it's just being overwhelmed. Okay. That's
0: That's how I took it. Yeah. But what is this song? I actually don't remember it that well. I, should I hit
1: play on it? Or I'm kind yeah, of because I don't understand – I don't understand what the song is really about, to be honest with you. Like, it's not like the song in the previous episode where it's very sort of, like, uh, explaining things. Mm-hmm. It's just – him, it's, it's more artsy And I couldn't quite follow lyrically what, what the indication was Maybe that's why it didn't stick with me as much So let me,
0: I'm going to fade this up It looks like we're getting near the end of their conversation okay. uh, After he's approached him in a hallway somewhere
1: Oh my heavy motivation
0: I can't ease your labor Blessed with faith and cursed with sons
1: Know my lovely resonator Hear your voice trembling
0: Let your notes come tumbling down
1: I blessed with faith and
0: cursed with sons.
1: I mean maybe if one to really to... try to read into it, I think that line is like blessed with faith and cursed with sons. If I was gonna really reach is that somehow a song about his dad? Like, his dad's got a lot of faith in this ability and this thing to work out, but he's got these sons who are kind of not shooting straight. I don't know. I mean, that's a major reach. Yeah, I'm I'm not willing to venture a guess on this because I'm not great
0: at interpreting it. But you're right. This is, like, the first I like, kind of, like— Non-literal real song I was almost wondering Hey is this a cover But I'm looking at Thank God for Amazon X-Ray Right uh, It is a song by Michael Dorman and Stephen Conrad And it's called Heavy Motivator So it
1: was written for the show Yeah So I didn't really I didn't really follow it I mean it's a beautiful song By the it's way It's very beautiful yeah. But I didn't quite I didn't quite I wasn't able to pick up On what it was supposed To tell me about the About the um, You know the plot Or whatever Maybe that wasn't the point Maybe it's just supposed To kind of set a tone Or something um, I want to mention this little moment. I'm wondering if you noticed it too. I'm sure you did. When John is on the on the train, and then John's mom comes over and gives him a hug, mm-hmm. Ichabod gets oh, his yeah. cuddle on. I, I love it. I
0: love it. And for a second, his mom's like, "What?" She's like,
1: "All right." And they both do the,
0: the so. John's I just love Ichabod's just like,
1: yeah. "I knew it." He's like, "I flew across the world." But it's finally happening. He'll take it where he can get it,
0: man. Absolutely. Non
1: sexual cuddling.
0: You know, I honestly think at this point, too, that, you know, all joking aside, I think Ichabod's doing it because he wants to do it and he's compelled to do it, but I also think he's very invested in John now, and I think he's doing it for John. I think he's also giving John a a cuddle.
1: I agree. Like, I think that, I think that, I don't think Ichabod's character is a perv. I think we're, Mm. we're, oh, no, I don't think so. Well, initially, I was a little bit like, you know, He's an odd. He's an oddball, and then he wants to do some cuddling. And like, if this were a different show, it would just be Ichabod has a quote unquote gay crush on John. Mm-hmm. But in because it's not a different show because it's Patriot, it seems like Ichabod is genuine. And when Ichabod is kind of like when he realizes that when he realizes that he's sort of help, trying to help John out, like yeah, I'm with you that like. That's – like that moment in the – in the on the hunting party where Ichabod and John are cuddling, when Ichabod identifies John as a tortured soul, it's not like he's trying to, quote-unquote, get some. He's really just trying to, I think, sort of, you know, be, be close with someone and help John out.
0: Yes and no. I actually hmm. think his original motivation was to – I don't think it's a gay thing, uh, just for starters. I don't think it's a sexual thing. But I do think it's something that Ichabod wants and needs because if you recall – that's his original blackmail plan, right? He's not doing it for John. He's right. trying to pinch John, so he'll have so to cuddle that he him, can get his cuddle. So that's an example, I think, of mm, Ichabod trying to get his. But then when they are sitting in the woods and they do finally cuddle, I think it is mutual, and he sees that John's a tortured soul, and they've reached some sort of plateau together. On the train, I'm reading way too much into this. I feel like he's maybe giving more than taking.
1: Huh? Yeah, no, that's I, I could totally see that. I'm happy that John is getting. Some kind of physical affection from his mom mom And or Ichabod on the train Like honestly it's like you're just like oh thank god Someone's giving this guy a goddamn hug Well again you were watching This through a different lens I've
0: been watching this Through the um, assumption that his mom Is divorced or at least separated From his dad Tom so therefore now I'm sort of like I don't know Ichabod and Bernice Hmm. I can see that being charming
1: I thought I saw a little bit of a vibe of them Particularly when we get to the next scene where it's like the whole thing about accordion, uh, you know, accordion kids mm-hmm. and the Roma people and ac- accordion pimps, basically, mm-hmm. or accordion slaves, I guess, is the term yeah. for these kids that play accordion. And the whole dynamic between Ichabod and John's mom is pretty interesting to me. I've already said this, but it's, you know, you expect, you expect his mom to be a little more freaked out by the situation, mm-hmm. but she's pretty businesslike about it. Almost like she's an ex-agent herself or something. Yeah, or she was
0: married or is married to one.
1: Right, although you'd think Tom would have been better. Well, you wouldn't because Tom's shitty at his job. <laughs> you would hope Tom would have, been, you know, been be- not really brought her in on everything that he's that is going on. But she's not like you know, again, a different kind of show. The mom is like, "Oh, you're shooting someone." Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is just like, "Hey, mom." So is that a person I can shoot? I can't see right now. Right. And after Ichabod's whole thing about accordion slaves, mom's like, "Yeah." fucking get at it. Right, yeah. And I mean, what and I want to see it.
0: What do you think is as the viewer, what do you think of the chances that Ichabod's just like totally off base? If not, if not overarchingly in this example, like this could just be a dude standing next to a kid. I mean, I was
1: expecting him to shoot the guy and for the kid to go papa. Like I was <laughs> right, expecting yeah. it to be like totally like somehow we have this way of knowing that it's 100% his dad. Um, yeah that 's a great question he has Ichabod is so convinced, much like I was convinced it wasn 't Deborah winger. Ichabod <laughs> is so convinced about this that it 's hard to not think he 's accurate, but on the other hand, who knows
0: right yeah and he's, I like the way he came about it too because hes you yeah, know I traveled to Europe a lot, and I, I thought at first it was something that maybe a tour guide or a, a well seasoned traveler told him, but he said that uh, in his story, he mentions, yeah, I just saw these kids everywhere. So I started doing some research.
1: And that seems very Ichabod. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, Lawrence LaCroix wouldn't have noticed this shit. But right. Ichabod is studying human behavior. And he's like, he's staring into the eyes of these kids to see if they're having joy when they play accordion or if they're hating it.
0: We're light on the LaCroix these days. Also light on the Edward in this one. Light on the cool Rick in this one.
1: Light on the LaCroix sounds like a gay slur from the <laughs> 70s. He has a little light on the LaCroix, if you know what I mean. Um okay so uh, uh obviously the plan to shoot the accordion pimp goes wrong the kid gets hit in the ear why do i th- why is this where my brain goes when i watch oh, this is it scene?
0: the ear i didn't know i couldn't tell do they say that
1: i just saw it the kid oh, okay. grabs his ear he grabs his ear like okay, i get you. the feeling it's just like just just knocked off the side of oh, the ear. And again, I don't want to like... Oh, you're watching on your
0: laptop, huh? Yeah. You're close up on it. I'm like watching... First of all, my eyesight isn't as good. Not that I have to justify myself to you or the listeners. but um, Or to Stephen Conrad. Or to Stephen Conrad. But I'm, you know, like, I really do think my eyesight's not so good. I'm just watching on a TV mm-hmm. in the room, so I didn't notice where the kid was shot. Yeah, I think
1: it got hit in the ear, which I, okay. I feel like is is even, like, even Patriot. I don't know how dark it's going to get. But even Patriot's like, we can't kill the kid. Mm-hmm. We have to – like him getting hit in the ear I think is a – and in fact, John even references it later. He says it's almost a problem because the kid is not even going to go to the hospital. The injury yeah. is so insignificant. Yeah, The kid basically got his ear pierced at the piercing pagoda <laughs> at Northgate Mall uh, non-voluntarily. But um, so, so that whole thing kind of does not go down very well. Um, but then uh, Aget is asking Alice to bring Mina to her to resolve the situation – which it's again is this whole push and pull And and you know people know because they've seen the episode What a get keeps Showing up to retrieve her daughter and then not Retrieving her mm-hmm. daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> seems like a Pattern
0: yeah and but it Sounds like there is a method to her madness yes. Right so she definitely explains why she took the Money and the reason that she took the money was Not to abscond with it but To um, save the Skirts and stockings. exactly save her Her colleagues there at the at the Police department because she feels like This money is a huge target, and and John is a very—she doesn't say cruel or evil, but a very brutal man in in his role and in his job. Yeah. And he will do anything because the stakes are so high to get that money back. So she needed to separate it from uh, the women who work for her because she didn't want them to get hurt. And she also wanted to kind of let the trail go a little bit cold, let everybody assume that she's off the case when really she's not.
1: Yes. It makes so much more sense now because, remember, the way John realizes the money's gone— is he gets into that, like, it's not even an evidence room. It's like an open office, Mm -hmm. I think, and the money, and it's gone. And I think, again, maybe has left him a note. Mm -hmm. And that's the moment when we're like, oh, shit, she's in on it. But it's like now what we're learning is that she's just trying to take this super sort of dangerous item out of the world. I mean, she should have just left it with the uh, Tiny Dick Club. Let him run. Let him. Let him run. Rough over that. They Speaking got a, they of got which, a new name.
0: by the way, what do you think the chances are now that we know what her whole thing was? What do you think the chances are that she actually had that money in her case when she saw John at the end of season one?
1: Wow. So in at other the words, train station. So another, if that so, was a red herring. Sure, that would make sense. Just I mean, go it,
0: hide the money somewhere. Right.
1: But then there's also the thing where Alice is. I mean, by the way, that is that scene where get basically says. Uh, You know he's not yet a ghoul Mm -hmm. Please help me apprehend the man Who's changing him Mm -hmm. Again this is all very like up my alley Because I'm like finally (laughs) We're starting to really see this thing for what it is Which is like Tom Tavner Whether he I don't think Tom Is an evil guy Mm -mm. in his Core I think he's like a lot of people Who hurt other people he just is Oblivious about how His actions are affecting other people Mm -hmm. And that's probably due to some amount Of narcissism and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other things.
0: And the job. I'll give him a little bit of credit about the job and the stakes of the job and working. You know, he he has spent his life, it looks like, working in this gray area of the law that is very important but also has certain
1: rules. Right. So I don't think that John – or excuse me, Tom is like – I don't think he's a bad guy at his core. But he is – I mean he is. He has – he already has and he continues to fundamentally alter the – Makeup, if you will, of his mm-hmm. son. His son is like probably never going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And if there's any chance of him resuming any sort of normal life, it is, it's, it that, that, that chance is expiring by the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it takes a get to say to Alice, you know, let's go take down Tom Tavner. Like, which to me is a no brainer for Alice. It's like your husband or his dad who's, mm-hmm. who's been, you know, who's gotten him into all of this. Mm hmm. It would still be tough, though, because it's
0: hard to pull all these strands out, like... I think that Alice too. I know I keep I sound like a broken record every time I'm trying to defend Tom in any manner, but like I think Alice does understand the stakes that um, that are being played here, and that John is in this you know pretty deep too. And there's a reason why John, the man she loves, is in this. It's not just because he likes playing cops and robbers or cloak and dagger. Um, so I think she understands that. I, I thought that it was pretty uh, interesting. Actually, this is going back to what brought us to this conversation. Something that you said, which is she keeps leaving her kid with uh, Alice and John. And very explicitly, uh, you know, Alice says, "Why are you leaving your daughter with us? You trust John?" and She's like, "Well, he's not a ghoul yet. He's, you know, yeah. he wouldn't hurt her, would he?" And she says, "No." And that goes back to a couple of a uh, couple of episodes ago where um, Alice is saying that to the little girl, like these guys would not hurt you. Like there, there's no world in which John would actually hurt you. So wasn't there? Didn't you have some question for me a couple of week a couple of weeks ago when we had that when we dissect? Did that conversation about like what does Alice mean? When well, she tells my, the girl.
1: Well, I'm wondering if Alice has, on some level, whether consciously or subconsciously, uh, sort of decided that she can no longer be with John. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm wondering if the if 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 a bridge if they have gone over a bridge too far for her to where like she'll never be able to see him in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like she's known that he has this dangerous job, but she's probably been mostly in the dark about it and now she's seeing what it looks like Mm -hmm. and it's you know like again you know i that's what my that's what my fear is because obviously he loves her very much that's like one of the only things going in his life that's good Mm -hmm. and she may have because when she says to mina like you know you're the most important thing to me that's a version of her saying you're more important than john Mm -hmm. john's safety is less important Mm -hmm. than your safety and that's the beginning of her i could say kind of a, a a cleaving, if you will, mm. of those two yeah, I hope no, not see,
0: yeah, I read that totally differently And I felt like this episode paid it off Like when she's sitting on the bed With the little girl and saying There's nothing in the world That is more important than you And these guys know this And they just wouldn't hurt you And then we later on, a couple episodes later See a get say I I know John. I've looked into his soul or what have you, yes. and I know that he wouldn't hurt a girl, would he? And she has to say no. So, well, certainly, I'm almost arguing it from the other way that that Alice and Aguette both know John well enough from different perspectives that no matter what he does in the line of duty, he does still have a line and a sure. soul.
1: I agree, but but I totally agree with that. But I'm just saying that when she said, when when um, Alice is talking to Mina, and Mina says, "Well, well, what will they do then?" or whatever. And will it be dangerous for them? I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. She says, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Like, she knows that John is going into, like, would be potentially going into increased danger if not being able to avail Mina as some sort of leverage. Mm -hmm. And she's fine with that, which to me is a way of saying Mina's life is more important than John's life in Alice's mind. At that moment,
0: yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, as the viewer, we feel that way. I think almost everybody would argue that, right? Like somebody who has entered as an adult into a world of combat mm-hmm. uh, and and has taken a lot of lives and is constantly putting his life at stake versus a little girl who's completely innocent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, I am rooting for John and Alice because uh, because I just would. But they be... go
0: back. They go back a ways.
1: Yeah, they do. They go back. <laughs> they go back to that grocery store in Texas. So um, we've also got this thing going on where Nan. Is like has sustained this head injury from the um, shelf being pushed over on her, but she wisely has figured out that like the disappearance of this silencer and gun from the back of the police car—guns being very hard to come by mm-hmm. in Paris—what a world that would be if mm-hmm. one missing gun was enough to set off all of that. She she sort of wisely figures out that something is afoot, and so she's trying to catch up with this. Uh, I forget his exact title, but the guy that's swimming down the river mm-hmm. and <laughs> his morning swim.
0: Nash, I think he's like a national. He's in charge of national security, I believe. So she's a local cop, right? Yeah. And she's trying to let the the national security administrator, for lack of a better word, uh, know that something could be going down regarding this OPEC conference.
1: And it's a great scene, of course, as he's in his whole like wetsuit and goggles, mm-hmm. just swimming down the the river which mm-hmm. i can't remember which river it the is canal, right? i want to say the seine but the seine is much bigger than that it's also the only river i can name in france um but um so yeah he's he's sort of swimming along down this canal and she's Gets out of the uh, ambulance and runs after him Now I'm wondering And you know the answer to this I probably don't I'm embarrassed about how much I've
0: forgotten I'd forgotten totally about that that scene
1: So she runs off She actually manages to get him And explain to him like what's going on Because there's this OPEC conference happening You know So then there's, there's that whole kind of like Conversation between the EMTs about an oath, an EMT oath. There's like oh, way funny. more time spent with the EMTs than you're expecting. Yes. But one of the things funny. they mentioned in passing is like the way that like medically you can be in danger if you have a head injury and then you don't go right to the hospital. And the sense I got when Nan gets back in that ambulance is Nan's not going to be okay. Mm. Now I haven't seen the next episode so I don't know what happens to her but the sense I got is she's, I don't know if she's sacrifi- I don't want to be too dramatic about it but she made a major sacrifice to go tell that guy uh, what was going on because the act of running to catch up with him and yelling, you know, monsieur, monsieur, talking to him. And then she gets back in the ambulance and like she is now much worse off physically than she was. Had she just gone to the hospital? Is the sense I got as the viewer.
0: Well, I also wondered how much we, the viewer, are supposed to be thinking about Nan there, and how much we were supposed to be thinking about John there. You have this—you mm. have this conversation going on about this new character, about well, you have to have head injuries looked at right away, et cetera, Whoa, et cetera. Well, good we've point. been following our hero, <laughs> our anti-hero, around, and he's been. We've been seeing it through his eyes that he can barely see. He has tunnel vision. He's been getting bonked in the head since this damn adventure began. Shot in the foot. Um, Show. So I wonder Shot at and hit. If, shit at and missed. Yeah, I wonder as if Matt that was a, Gibbs dad would say. Meta commentary. And also, in case anybody is curious, in case there are any um showrunners out there, yes, I would watch a Nan spin off like any day. Like really? that would be I yeah, what a great action star, right? Like just, like, true to, like, I mean, just true to the
1: cause uh-huh. and just so badass. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's in the works. Who knows? Um, what do you think about—this is where we're going to get—I feel like if there's one thing, and I would say this—I would happily say this behind the backs of the creators and producers of the TV show mm-hmm. Patriot— I feel like the only character for me that has been a little much is Inspector Mm Puyan. And I feel like it started with just like his his what I love about the show Patriot, generally speaking, is that every character has nuance. Every character and the only character that I've encountered that doesn't have nuance is Puyon. Yeah. Down to the comically small penis Mm -hmm. and the way he treats everyone at every moment. It's like I wish I wish that he would just be a little bit more nuanced as a character.
0: It does remind, It does seem like because my own my own girlfriend went through this phase where she got addicted to going onto Reddit and reading with all the worst men in the world. The had, MGTOWs? the MGTOWs, men going their own way and the incel communities and like it is such a dark, scary, terrible underbelly of culture um, that I think when some people maybe like Genevieve, maybe like Stephen Conrad, start pulling at that. String a little bit you can get a little bit Obsessed with it and there's so much There's so much hatred written into this character, right, that he's literally talking about how what a great lover he is and how he, uh, as a man, should always be able to sit on the train and make women stand because his whole life is nothing but a penis measuring contest. And then we're literally seeing that he and everybody on his team have micro penises. Yes. Um, So, you know, it it is one of you're right. It is one of the least subtle and most um, most kind of direct, I would say,
1: analogies. I
0: mean As far as what we're shooting at here
1: Right And I'm, I am All I'll say is I'm really glad that he's the only character Who's that Kind of um, uh, Archetypal mm-hmm. or, or a caricature mm-hmm. Because What I like about the show Is that, that most of the people Like I said Contain a lot of surprises And maybe Maybe I will be surprised mm-hmm. by him At some point too Because I'm You know I'm just where I'm at with the show He's Cantor Wally Okay that would be a surprise <laughs> That You got me, Conrad. (laughs) That's a surprise. Of course, John is still on this mission where he's got to shoot someone to try to throw everyone off the scent of the real intent behind the stolen gun and silencer. And he ends up in that crazy moment shooting Puyan on the train, who is Puyan is just realizing who John is, John Lakeman. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, John doesn't know what's on Puyan's phone. He doesn't realize he's shooting. But, again, this is – we're on the magic train now. Yeah. Come on, ride the train <laughs> and ride it. We're on the magic train where everybody – it's like the cheers of this show. It's like everybody comes in and, like, hangs out after work on the train and crosses paths and shoots each other and drops blood out of their nose. and mm-hmm. Like, it all unfolds on the train. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, of course, he's shooting him as he's realizing who Lakeman is. I want to ask you what are the implications of that, but you know because you've seen the show.
0: Um, but also, I, I mean, again, I'm just going to keep saying this because it's embarrassing, but you need to know this as far as me talking about this stuff. There's very little I remember about this show except for one episode coming up that is almost a bottle episode mm. that I think it might be the next one or the one after that, which is so beautiful and sweet and painful all Oof. at the same time uh, because there are smiles and somehow smiles are painful in this show. Yes, of course, because that, um, that
1: means that that means he's allowing himself to feel something, yes. which is very dangerous. So
0: I remember that, and then I remember some of the things that happened at the very, very end of the episode of the season, and where things kind of. Leave off and what the big question mark is, but I'm missing a lot of the connective tissue just because my brain is bad I I do remember trying to watch these as fast as possible at the end of this trip and like be I, I remember having to stop the final episode halfway so I could get off the plane and then I came home and then set up my iPad in my kitchen and watch it so by the end of this I feel like my attention wasn't quite as as sharp as it is re-watching these now, if, if we can use that as an excuse. So I'm actually really enjoying this because as I'm watching some of this stuff, I'm kind of, oh, yeah, right, right, right. I remember this now. But also I'm watching it so much more carefully. I am getting it
1: so much more. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember feelings like so many things didn't add up that they clearly did if you're watching closely.
1: Yeah. Well, we do know that, in, at least in the short term, John's shooting of Puyan pays off. Because that message gets back to Cantorwally's yeah. security guy that via oh, the national
0: security guy, yeah, then, right?
1: right. Which is now at first I thought
0: he was leaking, but I think he's like, right. no, he's in charge of national security. He's got a bunch of you know um, delegations there, and I yeah, think I had that, the I same think he question. So being,
1: he's just doing his job to let he, like in other words that those calls to Wally's people, those were calls he made to every. International delegation, presumably.
0: That's my that's my guess. At first I'm like, oh my god, there's a leak. He's in and then on I'm it. like,
1: oh no, he's a dignitary, and he's
0: watched his job is to protect the dignitaries. Cantor not or Wally, like whatever your politics are or whatnot, like um he is a dignitary in this country who is there for legal
1: political reasons. And it works. John's plan to shoot Puyan works because the call comes in that the gun was used in an unrelated thing. Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, the but only. there's also
0: tons of gunshot victims. Well, I guess the, nobody knows about the little boy, but just a lot of gunplay in a country where nobody has guns.
1: Right. And also, it's like you wonder, like Puyan, I mean, when they're wheeling him out of there, because he didn't mortally wound him, as far as I could tell. He just winged him in the arm, because he doesn't know who Puyan is. He just thinks he's a rude guy on the train yeah. who's being rude to Mina. So Puyan presumably is not dead. And so, I mean, you would think as they're wheeling him to the hospital, he's like, it's a guy named John Lakeman. Yeah, right. Which then sets off this whole other thing, you know what I mean? Because in other words, it's surprising to me that it was able to be effective as a distraction because of all the people he can shoot, he shoots a guy who's literally looking at a picture of him on the cell phone. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Like he's there's a pretty clear trail here now that it's Lakeman, which then gets into all this other stuff. Maybe having a get out of the mix though is helpful. Because in other words, if, if 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 all of the parties involved were communicating clearly, the fact that, the fact that that, that it was Lakeman who did the shooting, that should have them still worried about Cantorwally's safety. If someone was connecting mm-hmm. all of these, mm-hmm. all of these threads, right? But but they're not, so they don't know. They just think that a cop got randomly shot by the gun, and so that's now where they're categorizing things. Right. Of course, because yeah, now, of course. Now I'm getting uh, confused too because
0: this this investigator. Well wait, wait, no no no. This investigator whose name you've mentioned several times and I can never remember. He's he's fr- he's French.
1: Puyon? Yeah, he's, no, he's from Luxembourg. He's from Luxembourg too. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah, they right, mentioned okay, it specifically yeah. cuz he's come over. Remember he was trying to track down Claret? He was trying to track down Leslie when Leslie and right, Tom are right, in that hotel right, room. Course, yeah, yeah. And okay. then, yeah.
0: So he, so yeah, he and Aguette get do work for the same for the same police department. I just right. had a brain fart there.
1: Well, it's a lot. I mean, and, and by the way, the difference between France and Luxembourg is a mm-hmm. is a, is a kind of a small one in a certain way, and they're traveling between the two places, so it's not crazy that 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 would be confusing. But it where we leave things, of course, is the Canterwally is going to go to. He's going to go to whatever event that they were considering not having him go to, which means, of course, he's now still um, available to some degree for John to take out. And we end with like a sort of like an uncharacteristically sort of almost badass moment of John walking kind of grimly with – I think kind of cool guy music in the background or determined music in the background. If I remember as he gets off the as he gets off the
0: train after shooting him. Is that how where things are left off? Yeah, it's like, oh, that's right. Yeah, we see that final phone call from the head of national security to then just John walking. Right. By the way,
1: whoever that guy is that works for Cantor Wally. Good casting. That guy's intense looking. Yeah, right. Like his hairline. It like goes down to his. Eyebrows. Yes. Like I am not to be effed with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am, again, as
0: a man with a bad memory, I'm very excited for the next episode. It's been been very hard to only watch these one at a time. I don't want to. I've said this before. I don't want to watch two at a time because I think I'll be more confused with these conversations. And I kind of like the, the... the mystery that has been uh, bestowed upon me through my bad brain. Um, my problem is I've been watching a ton of
1: Night Court at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and
0: it gets confusing with Barney right? Miller. Oh my god, there's a connection. Our closing music, Mel Torme. The only reason I know who Mel Torme is because he is referenced all the time on Night Dave, Court. On Night Court, and he was Harry on night- Anderson's always talking right. about yeah.
1: about uh, about Mel Torme. In fact, he, I think he has some like. Is it is Mel made cameos Is Mel real On the show Or is he a fantasy
0: no, Oh I think I think Are you joking like, No I'm well, not He's a, always can... on a train That's the weird part
1: <laughs> Well that's a perfect Place to go out uh, I guess So yeah. um, thanks Great. for the...
0: Good episode you, I'm sorry to, to cut you off But really quickly could, Would you agree That broadly speaking This episode Is even a bigger Step in the direction That I mentioned Last yes, week Which is 100%. The tone of season 2 Being very different Than season 1 Where it's m- It's a much More surreal show Than it started off being
1: Totally And the good news is They've brought me along In such a way That I'm fine with it
0: Yeah Yeah Because I always worry Good news Conrad I'm fine with it You're a very literal Minded man
1: I am when it comes To TV shows and movies I usually don't go in For magical realism Because to me It's just too easy Like when you can't Figure out like well, how would that happen? And it's just like magic is how it happens. It always just kind of like lowers the stakes for me. Mm-hmm. But 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 I'm I'm so invested in this show now that it's like I just I just recognize that the train is a crazy place. That's right. <laughs> where where we meet the people that we want to meet or maybe we don't want to meet. But that's just going to happen, and it doesn't ruin it for me. I find the everything to be very um, taut, still, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and and intriguing. And, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of McMillan Until then, keep it double great. who leads a life of danger to Everyone he meets, he stays a stranger With every move he makes
0: Another chance he takes Odds are he won't live to see
1: tomorrow Secret Agent man, secret agent man, they've given
0: you a number and taken away your name.